everybody we greet you in the grace peace joy and love of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ love to the family man we are grateful for God allowing our moments to roll on just a little while longer if you know God's been good to you and you're not ashamed to say so come on make a joyful noise to the Lord today man we are so grateful for this holy day season and I hope that you are uh, ready and, and raring to go. You should be in full swing right now. For those of you who are streaming with us, let me say good morning and thank you for being with us today. I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, where we are committed to loving God, loving all people, and changing the world in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And we appreciate you being with us on today, allowing us into your homes to inform your head and inspire your heart to help you become all that God wants you to be. If you're in the Houston metropolitan area, man, we would love for you to come and visit with us. Or if you're coming to visit, come and share with us here our Sunday morning services, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. You are welcome to come to this place. Let us love on you. Let us show you God's love in reality and encourage you along the way. Well, I hope and pray that you are all ready for the holiday family members and friends are already coming in town and hopefully they haven't already overstayed their welcome amen <laughs> amen you know one lady said that she can take her family about two days so they need to show up on the 23rd you know that way on the 26th they can be on their way and everybody's still speaking and everything is good you know what i mean but um i hope and pray that you are uh, excited about that time of friendship and family and food and fun and, and all of that I was telling somebody you know they need to bind that spirit of gluttony because it's, it's on the way you know what I mean and uh, one person told me the spirit is willing but the flesh will eat and so amen but we're, we're, we're grateful and thankful now I need you all to do me a favor so um, we will be streaming our Christmas Day devotional at 10 o'clock on Christmas Day. Um, years ago, we actually used to do a service Christmas morning, and then, you know, it ended up where it was basically me and Deacon Tibbs out here by ourselves, and we decided, you know, we could have fellowship at the house, you know what I mean? We, and so then we moved it to Tuesday, or the day before Christmas, we had Christmas Eve service, and that was going pretty good. But we've had so much um, success, and it's really been a blessing with our online services. And so we will be streaming our Christmas devotional 
like we did our Thanksgiving devotional. And our total in our Thanksgiving devotional was somewhere around 500 people or so watched. And it was our largest Thanksgiving offering that I can remember in recent memory. So since y'all behave so well online, we're going to do it for Christmas. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. Christmas Day at 10 a.m. Christmas Day at 10 a.m. We will have our Christmas devotional. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to have some singing by the choir. So you'll be able, the words will be on the screen. So you'll be able to have a kind of worship time with your family. And then I'll be doing a devotional message around the Christmas celebration. It's going to be different than the one I'm doing this morning. Um, but we have Sean in the house today. Y'all say amen for Sean. Wave your hand, Sean. Sean is, is one of our camera people. And um, Sean is going to be shooting some footage of you all while we're singing and praising. Amen. Amen. He probably already got some shots of you. And so I'm, I'm going to give you all real quick being on the camera at church etiquette. Because some of y'all don't know how to act when the camera. Let me show you what not to do when the camera's on you. Is what not to do. You do not do that when the camera's on you, okay? If anything, if you just got to acknowledge the camera and you sing in, you know, go tell it on my... Like, wave. You know what I mean? You don't have to act like he's not there. You don't have to act like if I ignore him, he's going to ignore me because the camera's already on you. And there's only a couple of million people that are going to see you. Some of y'all ready to go to the mirror right now. It's, it's okay. Don't, it's not that serious, all right? Uh, but you can watch with your family members. Say, see, there I am. I told you I go to that church right there. There I am right there. All right? So if Sean gets you, man, just wave. Say Merry Christmas. You know what I mean? Over-exaggerate the mouth movements. Happy holidays. All right? Amen. But don't do that, you know, looking like you. Mm, that, that doesn't look good. All right? Listen, the choir is going to minister in song right now. And uh, this is a time for us to really lift our voices. The Advent season is a time that we celebrate the coming of Christ in human form to take on our sins, to pay for sins that we could not and cannot pay for on our own. And so as the choir comes, they will sing. Following that, we'll have our word for today, taking a little different look, a little different angle at the Christmas celebration that I hope and pray will bless you and encourage you along the way. All right? Come on, put your hands together. Let's thank God as the choir comes.
Hallelujah. 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 Lord, I love you. Hallelujah. Lord, I worship you. Hallelujah. When I consider the heavens and the works of the hand, who am I that you are mindful of me and the son of man that thou visitest me? Psalms 8 said, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. It got so good to the writer that he started the hymn that way and he closed it out again the same way. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. Your name is strength, your name is power, a strong tower makes me sing, oh, nobody like you, Lord. Nobody like you, Lord. Oh, nobody like you, Lord. Nobody like you, Lord. Repeat after me. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. How excellent. Is your name? Your name is strength. Your name is power. A strong tower makes me say. And we're crying.
Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise today. Thank you, choir. Thank you, praise team. Um, before I get started, I've got, I've got to give a special shout out to one of our young men who is home today. Uh, Paul Cornish is a young man that started playing here his sophomore year in high school. Um, he was one of uh, three musicians that we hired that were part of the youth service and they would transition over into the adult service periodically. And man, we've watched Paul grow. And whenever he's home, he comes in. And uh, so if you was wondering who was that on the organ doing that, Paul has graduated from USC. Um, yeah. He, he was out there majoring in film score and production. And now he is working on his master's degree at UCLA. And we, come on, let's thank God for Paul. We're happy to have him home. We're happy to have him home and grateful uh, to God for what God is doing. When Paul came, his mother interviewed me and wanted to know where her son was gonna be playing. She didn't care about whether he was getting paid or not. She was like, I wanna know where he's gonna be. And, Man, we're so grateful to see how God, and, and all three of those young men, God is using in a powerful way. Um, they're on the road playing all over the place, but um, they, they got so much of their foundation laid here at Good Hope. And I'm really thankful to the Lord that when he comes in town, he always comes by and sits in with us. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. 
Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now that everything that we do and say, that it will be pleasing in your sight, that you will be glorified, and that your people will be edified, that everything that we do and say will help us to really leave here understanding that you are the reason for the season. We bless you and we give you glory and honor now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the most prominent things displayed during this time of year are nativity scenes. Whether they are big or small, fit on a dashboard, or life-size, nativity scenes are all over our country and literally all over the world, signifying the advent, the coming of Jesus into the world. Here's a question I want to ask you. What do you see when you look at a nativity scene? What's the first thing that catches your eye? Typically, we, we look for the animals, see if the animals are represented, right? We we look to see if the wise men are there or the shepherds are there. Uh, we're looking for some biblical accuracy. We, we want to see if there's a, a little manger there with an unrecognizable carved image of an infant. We're trying to discern if this is really accurate to the biblical record that is shared with us in the Gospels and prophetically in the Old Testament. But here's what's interesting. When we look at that nativity scene, even the, 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 the image of the baby is out of sorts because while it represents the infant Jesus in his physiological form, it fails to capture the true essence of his theological significance. Because if we were really in tune, and if that nativity scene was even attempting to be accurate, the baby Jesus would be bigger than everybody else. I submit to you that when we look at the nativity scene, we should never look at it the same way. Because the truth of the matter is the nativity scene is really a snapshot of worship. That's really what it is. It's really not about the animals. It's really not about Mary and Joseph. It's not about the shepherds or the wise men. It's really about worship. Now, here's what's interesting. All of us see church as a place of worship. The Jews see the synagogue as a place of worship. These are common symbols of worship. But how many people see a barn as a place of worship? Like where cattle and horses are kept and hay is strewn all over the place. How, how many people see that as a place of worship? But I want you to know today that I believe one of the images that we need to get of the nativity scene is not just the presence of Jesus, but the place that he came into the world. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, worship in the unexpected. Worship in the unexpected. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. 
three things I want you to see today that I hope will give you some insight into this idea of worship in the unexpected. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to give the Lord all of who you are. If you're going to worship in the unexpected, whether it's an unexpected way or an unexpected place, you need to make sure you give the Lord all of who you are. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 is our foundational text for today. And it begins, verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Underline that phrase, came to Jerusalem. They came saying, verse 2, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. King Herod hears the news that some wise men have come from the east to worship a new crowned king. And Herod, feeling in threat in terms of his throne and his position, contacts and asks those wise men to give, them, give him some insight as to where this king of the Jews would be born. And the Bible says that he had an ulterior motive because rather than coming to worship Jesus, he wanted to kill him to assure that he would stay on the throne longer, not understanding that Jesus was not coming to rule on the throne of men, but was coming to rule on the throne of men's hearts. Watch what the Bible says. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Where was the child? Verse 8 says they were sent to Bethlehem because the Bible said, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word. And Bethlehem, go back to verse 6, in the land of Judah, while it was considered the least among the rulers of Judah... It was there that the ruler who would be the shepherd for his people would be born. God picks an unlikely place for Jesus to be born. He says, no, he's not going to be born in Jerusalem. He is not going to be born in the affluent area of town. He is going to be born in Bethlehem, that which is considered the least of all areas. Let me see if I can give you a picture here in Houston. If we got word that the coming king was to be born, the question would be, well, where would a king be born? And some would say River Oaks. Others would say Memorial City. But imagine if somebody said, no, the king is going to be born in Sunnyside, in South Park, in Acres Home. Somebody would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's something wrong with the, with, with the king's GPS. Why, why would he be born in those areas? But watch this. The coming king understood his presence was important, but his accessibility was even more important. See, he knew everybody couldn't go to the up and in, but everybody who chose to could go to the down and out. Everybody couldn't get in the palace to worship Jesus. But anybody could come to a barn if they were willing to humble themselves. 
They presented their person as an act of worship. Look at A. You need to come to Jesus. You need to make a step to Jesus. The Bible says these wise men came from the east. They came to Jesus. Now listen to me carefully because when I talk about you coming to Jesus, I'm not talking about a geographical movement. I'm talking about a spiritual, mental, and emotional movement that many of you need to make that you have been unwilling to make. In other words, most of us want the Lord to bless us where we are doing what we're doing, even if we're wrong as two left shoes. We don't want to make a change from where we are to get to where the Lord wants us to be. And the Bible says that these wise men came they humbled themselves. They came, but then watch B. They not only came to Jesus. B, you need to present yourself to Jesus. Because it's not enough to come to Jesus if you don't present yourself to Jesus. And I want you to get the picture, the image of them coming to Jesus. The Bible says they fell down and worshiped Jesus. They fell down and worshiped Jesus. This, this was not a stumbling fall. This was not an accidental fall. This was an intentional move from being on their feet to getting on their face. The Bible says they worship the Lord. Proskuneo, very, very popular word in the New Testament to describe worship. Some talk about it in the image of a dog licking the hand of its master. It's this willingness to admit that you are an inferior in the midst of a superior. And it's not just the bowing of the knee. It's a falling on your face. Uh, there, there are many of us who were taught growing up that as important as it is to pray, the position that you take while you pray yes, is as important. So some of us were taught it, it's really not even a good prayer unless you're on your knees, right? And, and you were good with that until Arthur and Bird, those Itis brothers, got a hold of you. <laughs> And then you realize if I get down on my knee, I may be like that person on the commercial. I've fallen and can't get up, right? So you say, but here's what we say, right? When we get older, the Lord knows my heart, right? I, I, I'm not on, because that's what the old deacons would do. The old deacons would pray. Come on, some of y'all remember, they would get down on that one knee, and they say, Lord, let us pray. And they get down, they say, Lord, here we come, knee bent and body bowed one more time. As humble as we know how. And there was a sign of humility when you bowed. But, but listen, th this word, proskuneo, has with it this mode of salutation and greeting tied to it. When an inferior greeted a superior, they not only got on their knees, but watch this. They would get on their knees and then they would literally touch their forehead to the ground. And blow kisses to acknowledge their inferiority. That word for worship literally means to fall prostrate. Not prostate. Prostrate. I got to say that because one person left one time and said, oh, prostrate. Yeah, that's what my uncle had. No, that's not. Prostrate literally means to fall on your face before God. I mean, it literally means to go down and to acknowledge that the Lord is God and I am nothing before him. 
somebody to hear me in here today. I, I submit to you, you can pray on your knees with a proud heart. But you can't get on your face before God unless you are there in a spirit of humility. The Bible says they presented themselves. Can you imagine wise men coming and bowing and getting on the floor before Jesus? They presented themselves to the Lord. And the Bible says that's what God wants from us. Look at Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is what? Let's read it together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. He says, when you go down, and can I tell you something? You really haven't prayed till you've been driven to your face. I mean, you, you really haven't humbled yourself before the Lord until you fall on your face. That's the position to say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. That's the position when you say, Lord, if I ever needed you before, I sure do need you now. That's the position when you say, Lord, I am so sorry for what I've done. Please have mercy on me. Some of y'all wondering if I'm going to get up soon. I am. I'm Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to give the Lord the best of what you have. You need to give the Lord the best of what you have. Wherever you are, you need to give God your best. Verse 11, the B part. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Bible says that these wise men came, but they did not come empty-handed. They brought to the Lord their best. Now listen, many of you are old enough to remember a time when you identified your clothes by school clothes and Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, right? And Sunday go-to-meeting clothes and Sunday go-to-meeting shoes, you didn't wear them out. You typically grew out of them. They became good hand-me-downs. Why? Because you didn't wear them often. You wouldn't play, for example, on Sunday afternoon in your Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, right? Just like you didn't play in your school clothes. Your mama tell you, go take them clothes off. I paid too much money for them clothes. Go on, take them off and hang them up, put them up, fold them up in the drawer, do whatever. But you had to get those clothes off. And out of that, many of us grew up in a time when people said, you should come to church dressed up because you should wear your best. You should present your best to the Lord. So if you got one church dress, that's the dress you wear to church. If you got one church suit, that's the suit you wear to church. But listen to me carefully. We don't know what the wise men were wearing. We just know what they brought. They brought their best. And I submit to you today, my brothers and sisters, God is more concerned about what you bring than what you wear. 
got to look. I, I dress the way I dress intentionally. Like, it's like I, have, I got you know, y'all been right long. I got suits. I got I, I dress like this because I like messing with church folk. <laughs> I do. I like messing with church folk. I like messing with preachers who say the only way you can really represent the Lord is by wearing the right stuff. And I submit to you, it's not about what you wear. It's about how you live. It's not about how you dress. It's about how you treat people. If you want to dress up, fine. That's great. If you want to wear a $1,000 set of class, fine. If that's where the Lord has you, that's fine. But don't dress up and then treat other folk bad and think you are all right with God. And just because you dress down doesn't make you holy if you're not committed to living up. At the end of the day, it's about our commitment to be more than look the part. They presented the best that they had. Look at 1 Chronicles 29, verse 14 through 17. But who am I and what is my people? This is David speaking. That we should be able thus to offer willingly. For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. Literally, God, we're just giving back to you what you've given to us. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. See, what David understands is what many of us don't understand. Acceptable worship to God is never empty-handed. You can't come and worship the Lord on the cheap and think your worship is acceptable to God. Because at the very least, you bring to God a portion of what God has blessed you with in acknowledgement that every good thing has come from him. Shame on you. If you come to worship the Lord trying to figure out the cheapest way to come and worship the Lord. Shame on you if you spent more money giving somebody a present than you gave to the Lord. And we're supposed to be celebrating his birthday. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves and your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Present everything that you have to the Lord. Here's the third and final thing. Number three. You need to know you can make your way to the Lord regardless of who you are. Worship in the unexpected means that it's a worship that can be offered regardless of who you are, regardless of what people think, regardless of what you have been through or where you find yourself right now. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 2, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They saw his star when it rose and they came to do what? To worship him. The Bible says they had to come to a town in Bethlehem of Judea. Because the prophet wrote in Bethlehem in the land of Judah. 
are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for my for, for from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people. The shepherd of my people is going to come from you. Remember what I said. It wasn't an issue of availability. It was a willingness. Because watch this. If Jesus came to Sunnyside or South Park, some folk would have missed Jesus because they don't want to come to Sunnyside or South Park. Not that they couldn't come, because they would choose not to come. They said the same thing about Jesus. What good thing can come out of Nazareth? Because he came from an area, a side of town, that other folk looked down upon. No good thing can come out of there. These wise men were sophisticated. They were educated. They were socially acceptable. They were even welcome in the palace. But the Bible says they had to come to Bethlehem to worship. But wait a minute, don't stop there. Because watch this. In Luke chapter 2, go down to verse 8. The Bible says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Go down to verse 13. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Watch this. The same Savior that would attract a wise man, socially acceptable, part of the up and in, would also attract a smelly shepherd who wouldn't have been classified socioeconomically as part of the up and in, but would have rather been classified as part of the down and out. This was, this was a, a, a person who, who, who lived in the barn, who worked in the barn, who was comfortable in the barn. They wouldn't have even been allowed in the palace. But the Bible says they could worship. But, but it doesn't stop there. I, I, I got to tell you some more. If you look at Luke chapter 2, Beginning at verse 25, the Bible says there was an old man by the name of Simeon who had prayed for many years that God would allow him to see the face of the Messiah. And the Bible says when they brought that baby in to, to, to go through the Jewish rituals that were prescribed by Jewish law, the Bible says Simeon saw the Holy Ghost revealed to him that that was the Savior, and he began to praise God for the opportunity. Watch this. An old man would have been looked past by most. But God said, you can worship too. Because even though you you may be deemed by others to be too old to be useful, you're never too old to give worship to God. But but don't miss, look look at Luke 2, 36. And and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Israel. Women were considered second-class citizens. Their words were not even valued beyond 
the corroboration and a statement of a husband or a man. But guess what? The Lord said even she can worship. I'm talking about worshiping the unexpected. Not only could women come and worship, the Bible says children could come. Look at Matthew 19. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Age-appropriate worship allows children to know Jesus in a personal way. See, the Bible says there's room for everybody. Even the unexpected can have an opportunity to worship the Lord. So whether you're wise and upwardly affluent, or you're a blue-collar worker, you work with your hands, old or young, male or female, rich or poor, every one of us has an opportunity to come and worship at the feet of the master. Jesus says, I'm accessible to everybody. To the Jew and the Gentile. To the black and the white. I'm accessible to everybody. I came low so those who are low can reach me and those who are high would need to come to see me. So here's the good news. Unexpected people can come and worship. Good people, bad people, learned people, unlearned people, rich people, poor people. Everybody can come and worship the Lord. But don't miss this. You can also worship him in unexpected places. You, you may expect to see him in a church or in a synagogue. But Jesus says, no, 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 you can see me anywhere you are. Because the Holy Ghost lives inside of you. So you can worship wherever you are. You can worship the Lord in unexpected situations and circumstances. Might be some bad situations. Might be less than ideal circumstances. Because watch this. I mean, nobody would voluntarily give birth to a child in a barn. Wasn't the ideal place. Wasn't the normal place. Wasn't a prescribed place. But Jesus says, even in an unexpected place, you can come and worship. Last thing, even in unexpected situations, you can worship the Lord. Good situations or bad situations. Even when God doesn't keep you from it, he'll keep you through it. When you don't see a way, he'll make a way. Somebody in here can testify. I, I couldn't figure it out, but God worked it out. Because I can worship him even in unexpected circumstances. So here's what I want you to do. The next time you see a nativity scene or when you walk in the house and you see that beautifully garnished tree, trimmings are color coordinated and I want you to remember that what should be your priority in looking at all of that is worship. When you see the nativity scene, see worship. When you trying to pick out that star you're going to put on top of the tree, see worship. 
When you see ornaments, see worship. See worship that honors God for who he is. Make sure worship is at the center of your Christmas celebration. Make sure worship is your priority this holiday season. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. And we pray now, God, that everything that we do and say that it will be pleasing in your sight as we have heard how we respond, God, to your word. And I pray now, God, that those under the sound of my voice would leave here understanding the priority of worship, that they can worship in an unexpected place with unexpected people in the midst of unexpected circumstances and unexpected situations, that worship can still take place because you have called us to honor you. May we never see a nativity scene the same way. For when we see it, may we literally see the gathering of those who have come to worship you. And even though in most nativity scenes, the baby Jesus is the smallest part of the nativity, help us to recognize in our spirit mind that you are actually the most important thing of that scene. We give you glory and honor. We ask your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let all the people of God say amen. As we stand on our feet and prepare ourselves for our invitation to our streaming audience, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to the Lord. There's only two kinds of people in the world, people who know Jesus and people who need him. And if you know him, we want to help you grow in him. If you need him, we want to help you come to know him. And you can do both by going to our website, going to goodhope.org, and you will find information there prominently displayed how to become part of our church family, how to give your life to the Lord. Um, there are several methods that you can use, whether it's the four spiritual laws or the Romans road or the three circles, whatever it is, I want to encourage you to make a conscious decision to ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, to yield yourself to him. Watch this. God wants to make something beautiful out of your life but there, there are two requirements, your permission and your participation. You've got to say yes to the Lord, not to rituals or routines, but a relationship. A relationship with a God who loves you so much. He loves you where you are, but he loves you so much. He doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life if you would let him. As Pastor Bill comes to give the invitation to discipleship, I want to encourage you to make a step today. You don't have to say anything. All you have to do is say, excuse me, up in the balcony. If you want to make a step, you can do that as well. All right? So as the praise team sings, the choir sings, we extend to you this opportunity to say yes to the Lord. Jesus is waiting. Give him your life. 